Evan and Luke the Scooby Dudes get a clue. <laughs> oh gosh, I don't want to be friends with you anymore. I'm done. Oh gosh. Oh man, and here we are recording the uh, the intro to episode twenty five. Dude, Evan, you know I don't like that that theme song. Get a clue, man. Get it, like read into my reactions to that theme song. Get read, get a. Cl- We're doing Scooby Doo. Get a Scooby. Shaggy Scooby Doo. Shaggy Scooby Doo. I can't even make it sound as bad as it sounds in the real thing. Oh god. Uh, yeah, we're back. We're back to. You've totally thrown me off my groove. I think our least favorite of the Scooby Doo series. Um, you are tuning in presently to to Scooby Dudes. Scooby Doo. Uh, this is a podcast. Uh, yeah, this is a podcast where two best friends talk about their favorite meddling kids. And their dumb dog too. Uh, and yeah, like we said. This is a this is a show that came out in the aughts. We're tackling the second episode because it is um, sequential, consecutive. What's the word that we're looking for? Uh, consequential. I don't think that that's it either. Executive. It 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 says a lot, and I think we mentioned this in the episode proper that the last time we covered this was episode nine. That's how much we didn't want to get to this. We've really been avoiding this. We try to handle series like this consecutively, in order, um, but we jump around a lot. This is a, po- a podcast where we explore the full range of Scooby-Doo by sampling an episode here, an episode there from that series. We pull from all over, and we do try and return to a series as well. So 16 episodes ago, we were horrified to learn what Shaggy and Scooby-Doo get a clue is in the Scooby-Doo canon. We're returning to it now out of duty's sake, Rather, perhaps, than passion's sake. So with that said, if you have not yet, um, if you don't know the background, maybe listen to episode 9 first. Uh, please enjoy episode 25 with a theme song that we wrote that we think is better. Better than Devo. We're better than a, like a gold platinum album band, at least in this case. Uh, at least when it comes to making songs for Scooby-Doo. Devo was a platinum album band? Th- did they really go platinum? I have no idea. I'm guessing. <laughs> I thought they only had one song. Isn't it just Safety Dance? Isn't that, like, all they ever did? Is Safety Dance that one that I'm I'm thinking? Oh, oh, wait, that's, like, Men in Hats, right? Yeah, no, I, I don't think so. Shoot, what did, um, but they, what did, they did Whip it. do? Whip It Good. Oh, right, of, of Whip It fame. Yeah, of correct. Whip It fame. You know, they, they were really into a... They had a, a drug problem. <laughs> yeah, they just could not and stop... really spiraled out of control. ...huffing those canisters of drugs. <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, I think we've laid out everything we need to, listener, for you to know exactly what you're getting in this podcast. Um, meandering discussions of Scooby-Doo and navel-gazing. Is this not the episode where drugs come up a lot? That must be a different one. That is a, di- a very different episode. Um, so go back, listen to episode 9, the first Scooby and Shaggy-Doo get a clue, Shaggy and Scooby-Doo get a clue episode. Um, our episode was very funny. It was delightful. The episode that we were basing it on... You don't have to watch. You, you don't have to do that. Um, but please do enjoy this episode that we're about to play for you now. Get a clue. Shaggy Scooby Doo, get a clue. I don't even remember what comes next. I want to transition. Shaggy Scooby Doo, get a clue. We've got some work to do now. If we can count on you, Shaggy Scooby Doo. Can you imagine a full medley of every single Scooby Doo theme song? Oh. I love that now. How cool would that be? That would be amazing. Please, some hero, some gosh darn American hero. Are we still recording? I thought we were just talking to (laughs) amongst ourselves. 
Two dudes talking about Scooby-Doo. Two dudes just like you. Unless you're a lady, mm, this show is for ladies too. If you're LGBTQ, we are your Scooby-Doos. All right, we're back. We're back, we're in. Here we are. A couple of clueless dudes about to fill themselves in on something. And let me say, when I say we're back, we are back to you and I, what we've said is our least favorite of all of the Scooby-Doo shows, of the entire Scooby-Doo canon. Yeah, we've been putting this off. This has been our semester-long assignment that we've not wanted to return to. Our longtime fans know that we're talking about get a clue, Shaggy and Scooby-Doo get a clue. Um, which is to say that we haven't covered this show since episode 9. It's been, what, this is 16 episodes apart from that. And that's not 16 episodes to, uh, to let things build, to let expectations ferment a little bit. Those are 16 episodes where we wanted to do literally anything else. Like, that, that episode was so far back, I did not timestamp the show notes or put a date on when the episode came out. So I can't even tell you when it did. <laughs> oh, wow. That episode, you know, we've, we're grilling the series now, and we're not saying great things about it. We really enjoyed that episode, as bad as it was. There were a lot of funny parts. Uh, so so one what one thing I will say just like when we did the second episode of um, Misery Incorporated, go listen to that episode first if you want more context. Um, this is this is a story based series. This isn't a monster. It's a bit of a monster of a week thing, but it's very much got a progression. So you're gonna miss a lot in this episode if you didn't hear the last one. So yeah, what what you're gonna want to be doing is you're gonna be <laughs> listen to episode nine, skip ahead to twenty five, and then skip ahead to like what's twenty five plus sixteen? Forty one. Forty one. We'll try to keep this consistent. I think it's pretty optimistic that you think we're going to keep 16 episodes between. I think it's going to, the distance is going to exponentially increase. With every episode we watch, we're going to become that much more resistant to watching another one. As is in this case, because we knew the series was bad from episode one, but episode one had a lot of fun stuff in it. Episode two was not as strong, which says something. Yeah, so just to provide some context, with episode one, Luke and I both said in our recap that we laughed out loud several times. Bunch of times. Which is not an exaggeration. I thought a lot of it was quite funny. This one, not so much. I did have one really big, genuine laugh out loud moment. It really got me. Oh, okay. I, I look forward to hearing that. Um, we'll do this every time, just for the sake of our listeners, and I guess for you and I as well. Mm. Uh, we want to do a previously on Scooby-Doo Scooby and Shaggy get a clue. Or sorry, Shaggy and Scooby-Doo get a clue. So do you want to provide just a quick 20-second what happened in the first episode? Yes, in the first episode, Shaggy inherited a mansion from his mysterious, now-missing uncle, Albert, a, uh, a professor and a doctor and an inventor in his own right. But more important than the mansion that he inherited uh, was this formula for enhanced Scooby snacks that he inherited. And these Scooby snacks give Scooby-Doo superpowers when he eats them. Um, so that's that's really it. Scooby and Shaggy are trying to find their Uncle Albert who's missing, but still leaving these breadcrumb trail messages for the two to catch up with them. And there's a consistent villain, Dr. Fibes, who is uh, playing an antagonistic role in this series. Shaggy and Scooby-Doo are now filthy rich, thanks to their Uncle Albert, who they're trying to find, as well as stopping Uncle Fo uh, evil Dr. Fibes with these special Scooby-Doo snacks. Scooby Snacks, excuse me. Uh, one thing uh, that is important to note, in addition to all of that, is that Fred, Velma, and Daphne are sidelined in this series. And sidelined to the point that at the end of that first episode, they're like, hey, we can help. And Scooby and Shaggy are like, nah, 
We're good. Hey, the two most incompetent, cowardly parts of this mystery incorporated group can handle it themselves. They, they, Fred, Daphne, and Velma barely appeared in episode one. They are completely absent from episode two. Not even one reference to Daphne, and that's it. So, um, one thing that I talked about before we began recording is I've been trying to find um, sort of like themes or sort of questions that we can sort of build these episodes around in addition to our recaps. Sort mm-hmm. of like uh, additional scoob analysis. If you will. It, it's perfect because Scoob and Anne sound so so close. <laughs> <laughs> that pun is nice. Tight friend. Um, so when it comes to this particular series, and I guess this episode as well, uh, the question is what what can you sort of um overlay the gang onto in terms of like different types of storytelling? Because they're mystery solvers or I guess detectives or investigators first and foremost, um, but what else can you sort of apply? What else? Do, what, what other molds can those characters fit? Because with Scooby Doo Apocalypse, yeah, they're um, mm. what, what would you call them in that series? Monster killers, survivors. Yeah, and they're also they're like a ragtag team that doesn't have unity at the beginning of the story, and they're monster killers. They're survivors. They're sojourners in a sense because they be, they set out on this journey, um, and not so much hitting locale to locale, but like very much a road trip. Normally, in their regular series, they are they're looking for the reality of things. They're they're sojourners of truth. Mm. But in a Scooby Apocalypse, <laughs> what are you getting at? They're just regular s- sojourners. They're sojourners of who cares? Of just oh, there's so much antagonism within the group in uh, apocalypse that that's and that is a thing like the group doesn't start out best friends they become best friends through the series and through working out their differences um here in scooby uh, get a clue i think we're transposing the scooby-doo team into a like kids get rich kind of format that's that's something that exists in a lot of movies and tv yeah we talked a lot about that um last time just because it's sort of like this home alone sort of vibe where it's just like these young people can now they now have unlimited resources they can do whatever they want um but i think with this episode which we will have said in the intro it's um something about fondue yeah um more fondue for scooby-doo uh i i would say that this is more scooby-doo and shaggy uh as james bond loose james bond analogs my thought was Cody Banks, Agent Cody Banks, if that's a reference that means anything to you, starring Frankie Muniz. Yeah, right. Uh, Malcolm. Malcolm, the one in the middle. Yeah. Which, 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 in and of itself, is also like uh, James. It's just James Bond light. That right? is a like, James Bond kids. thing for kids. So, yeah. so that's sort of what I want to fixate on with this episode and just talking about this is just like, do Shaggy and Scooby work as spies? Yeah. That's a, that's a very fair question. And as opposed to, like, Agent Cody Manx or James Bond, who are very competent spies, this, you would think, would have more of a quality of the man who knew too little, where it's a spy who does everything successfully, even though he's incompetent, because that's Shaggy and Scooby-Doo. They're incompetent, but everything will work out in the end for them. Or, like, uh, Johnny English um, is another point of reference that comes to mind. So how well do do these two function in this new format? In this episode, being more that kind of James Bond parody format. Is that your question? Yeah, and, and I also, like, we haven't... You and I have not seen past this episode. We don't know if this is the format that it continues to follow. But I feel like probably. 
probably because a big central part of this series is the windfall of money that they've they've come into and how they've used that and how the animators love to use that to show all these cool gadgets and uh, and, and a lot of wreckage within the mansion that doesn't mean anything because they're so freaking rich which is still painful to watch I it, it really really frustrates me I, I really property damage it. yeah property I, I, damage yeah. is not fun for me I hate property damage <laughs> So, like, uh, Man of Steel was a tough film for you, huh? <laughs> yeah, I was just sitting there with my abacus, just tallying up. Tallying all up, of, uh... yeah. But you're, you're starting to become an insurance representative, so that's that makes sense. Or insurance adjuster. Um, any other thoughts before we get into this episode and start actually recapping this B? No, I, th- I think that was a good framework, and I there are a number of points within the episode at which I'll call back to it, but I say we just we just dive in. Just a couple other expectations I want to set going in. Two things to keep in mind. Shaggy's voice is tragically bad. If you're imagining Casey Kasem's voice coming out of Shaggy's mouth, imagine something else. That's not what's happening. And the other note I'd make is that although the animation is pretty slick, some of the design is not great. For instance, they chose to put bags under Shaggy and Scooby-Doo's eyes so they look like exhausted single parents, no matter what they're doing or how happy they are. <laughs> it's sad. Um, shoot, what was the thing you said before, exhausted single parents? Uh, Shaggy's tragically bad voice. Yeah, it's so funny, because if you watch um, A Pup Named Scooby-Doo, we were sort of ribbing the voice casting for the fact that they... All of the kids are kids, except for Shaggy, who has his regular uh, late teens adult voice. And I think I pushed back on that a bit when we talked about it, because I think Casey Kasem has a high-pitched voice such that you can do a kid. Kind of like in DuckTales, they got Bobby Moynihan, Danny Pudi, and uh, Ben Schwartz to do the nephews, because they have high-pitched voices, so they can play kids. Right. But we were roasting in that case, versus this episode in series. He, he's, he's still recognizably Shaggy. But he, he is even higher, right? That's, is that the, the distinction? It's like more high, more cracky, more something like that. It does not work at all for me. I, I shouldn't hang on it so long just to say I don't like it, but I don't like it. It, it isn't very good. Um, it, it, well, yeah, let's just, let's, just, uh, let's just get into it. That's enough negativity. Let's get into this. The opening. Shaggy and Scooby-Doo are baking some of these super Scooby-Doo snacks. Um, each one with a different superpower, which is pretty appealing for a kid, I have to say, to imagine snacks that give you specific superpowers. I get yeah. the, why they would think kids would like that. It's, it's really fun, especially when you think about the fact mm. that in the original series, Scooby Snacks were, Scooby Snacks were to Scooby-Doo what Spinach was to Popeye, and that you gave it to him and he became more capable. Yeah, well, Popeye gained super strength. Scooby-Doo gained something remotely resembling a spine. <laughs> right. Which, which is, for Scooby, like becoming superpowered. Uh, so, so they're just, honestly, it makes logical sense. They're just bringing it to the next level. These will now make you brave. And, yeah, like you said, uh, there's super strength, there's super speed, there's mm-hmm. one that fills you with hot air and makes you float. Um, the one thing that I thought was really, really funny in this episode is the robot butler uh, comes up to them, and he calls them Shaggy and Ruby Roo. Which is, I think, a callback to the first episode where Scooby introduces himself as Ruby Roo, and Roby Roo, this robot butler, addresses him as such uh, from then on moving forward. And in this episode, Scooby corrects him and says, not Ruby Roo, Ruby Roo. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's my favorite I, part I, of this I entire like episode. Roby Roo is my favorite character in this whole series. I think Roby Roo is genuinely funny. Uh, aside from the henchmen from episode one, 
so so after after there's like this a uh, little mishap with the with the special Scooby snacks after Roby comes out, um, we hear the theme. You and I covered this in the first episode already. I just want to make the additional note that it's so long. It's really long, really repetitive. It's almost as if the theme is trying to be annoying. The theme is performed by Devo of Whippet fame. It is not good. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I should be more creative with what I say, but it's, I just don't care for it. Yeah, it, I, th- I think the main thing is that it's repetitive. So, like, once you hear, once you get to the second half, you're like, I've heard these words already. Yeah, and then they repeat it even more in the second half than they did the first half. In the, in the last episode, we said it sounds like a uh, a kid's song that would happen in long road trips, designed more to bug the driver than to entertain the passengers. And it succeeds. Um, so we have a little mix-up. We show how the Scooby Snacks work. Scooby eats one of them, goes big blimp size, farts out that gas that blew up in him. Um, it, it's heavily implied that he farts out the gas. Yeah, Roby Roo comes in and says, I've detected gas. Danger, danger. Will Robinson? High voltage. When we touch, when we kiss. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Don't look up that music video, kids. Um, <laughs> I think that all the time. Uh, okay, Roby so Roo, when he's down there, also plays a message from Uncle Albert that Uncle Albert has produced for Scooby and Shaggy. It's a really hard Star Wars reference. It's, it's a really explicit, like, uh, help me, Obi-Wan Kenobi, you're my only hope. Yeah, Roby plays this hologram of Uncle Albert, very much a la R2-D2 playing Leia's message. Um, as Scooby uh, fills Roby with popcorn. And, and that's the problem, is that Roby is playing this hologram from, from Uncle Albert, who is going on about how there is a, uh, there's an anti-global warming conference in Switzerland, and Dr. Fibes is going to be there. He's going to use a laser to melt a glacier to flood the conference. Um, but as the popcorn is popping, um, the hologram cuts in and out. Yep, the message starts breaking up. So they don't get the full exact message on where the laser is or how Dr. Fives is there, but we hear, we think that Fives is going to be blended in with the crowd as in a discuss in a disguise. Then popcorn fills the whole room. Uh, Roby gets ready to spit out some butter and Scooby says, give me that butter. And then Roby fires butter into Scooby's face like a fire hose. Yeah, that is what, that's, that's what Scooby said, huh? He said, give me that butter. <laughs> give me that butter. Ruby, Ruby, Ruby. Also, Scooby, Scooby always says Scooby, didn't he? In the original series, like, Scooby, Ruby, Ruby. Whereas here, Scooby says Ruby, which I think plays into something we've said for a long time, which is that s- some of Scooby's voice work is more consistent than others, like, and where they choose to put that on. I feel, yeah, I feel like Scooby needs to be able to say his own name, but for this show, I do think it's really funny that he can. They, they do make good use of that. Scooby's a bad Pokemon in this show. He can't even say his own name. <laughs> uh... They, they make their way to Switzerland. I will just say that um, Shaggy has used his uncle's fortune to turn the mystery machine into the magic school bus. I was going to say Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. The mystery machine can now turn into any vehicle they want. Wait, is that what Chitty Chitty Bang Bang can do? That's what Chitty Chitty Bang Bang is. It's a car that can turn into a, uh, a plane. Like, its, its wings come out of it and it flies around. Have you never seen Chitty Chitty Bang Bang? I have don't aren't like isn't it just about like child abduction isn't that like that is a huge it's a, theme it's a child abduction in, movie 
It's a huge theme in this children's movie is children being abducted. That's all. That's almost all I remember about Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. Honestly, that is all you should walk away with as a kid is that this movie was about child abductions. What did I learn about child abductions? Nothing. It just happens. <laughs> um, but but like the magic school bus in that like it's not just a VW van that sprouts wings. It like it like you know you're right. Transforms. It's a full transformation. Uh, very yeah. much. Again, I, I think Magic School Bus is probably the best. I think you're right, because J.H.A. Bang Bang, it's like a mechanical wings spread out. Magical School Bus, like, stretches and, and like, like an amoeba, bounces into a couple of different shapes until it lands on what it needs. Did you call it the Magical School Bus? Yes, the Magical School Bus. The, <laughs> the Magical School Transportation Unit. Right on the Magical School Bus. <laughs> Now, that's something I don't remember super well. Uh, I mean, all I remember about the Magical School Bus is it's about uh, child abductions by a teacher, right? <laughs> <laughs> no permission slips needed. Isn't that what... I feel like that's what a lot of, uh, a lot of 90s um, uh, children's entertainment boils down to, is that people will take you. People will take you. Don't try to stop them. <laughs> There's so much to learn. Okay, back to the episode. This is should be Fred's mystery machine. Have to make that brief note, but apparently Shaggy has it now, or it, Shaggy has bought his own. Um, and this mystery machine Shaggy uses to transform into a plane that can then take them to um, Zayodelweiss or something like that, the name of this lodge. I didn't write it down, but, it's, but Shaggy says it with such confidence. As if he knows the language. Um, so they, they do. They transform this thing into a plane. They shoot off. They're on their way over to this conference. And we cut from there to Dr. Fives. We will not. We don't have to spend a lot of time on this. What I do think is kind, like, kind of funny um, is that Dr. Fives is not anti-global war. He's not a climate change denier. You know, he's not trying to sabotage. No, you... you... Yeah, which you'd think would be his thing. Like, oh, he's trying to... What is his thing? It's so Actually, funny. It's not even. It's not. He's not a climate change denier. He's not trying to sabotage the conference, um, so that people will uh, continue to perpetuate global warming, thereby ending the world. No, Doctor Fibes is just a small petty man, and apparently, uh, Doctor <sighs> Joseph uh, Gustav once crossed him, so now he's going to drown him at his conference. Oh, so he just has a grudge against one person who's at this conference. So he's decided to kill this person. It- at the time where this person has the most security and protection and is the most inaccessible he'll ever be. Well, yeah, he's trying to send a message. Okay. Um, I guess, yeah. So he's... Dr. Fives has a lot of grudges against lots of scientists. Dr. Fives actually, we think, probably had something to do with Dr. Albert's disappearance. Um, Shaggy's uncle. Uh, so there's this whole thing about, like, a laser um, so, homing beacon, mm-hmm. um, and uh, they are in the air, and Shaggy wants to transform the mystery machine into, I think, like, a snowmobile but he turns it into a canoe instead. They plummet out of the sky. They smash this laser homing beacon. And now I want to bring us back to what I had mentioned earlier um, about Scooby and Shaggy being spies. Mm. Because here they are, and their incompetence has caused them to be successful in uh, thwarting this plan. Yeah, because Fives was about to shoot them out of the air with his laser, but because they transformed into a canoe at just the right moment, they plummeted out of the air, they actually destroyed his one of his laser beacon things, and dogged the laser, and then they slide their way down to the lodge. So yeah, through their incompetence, again, my thought is the man who knew too little, starring Bill Murray, they've managed to actually succeed. Uh, is Get Smart another good comparison? Get Smart is an excellent comparison, I think. I love Get Smart. 
I'm thinking of the original series. The, the new movie's okay as well. But yeah, through a, a very incompetent spy who is surrounded by competent spies. Agent 99 knows what she's about. Um, but he does manage to solve a lot. Um, what I was going to bring up, just in regards to all of this happening, is um, when, when sort of like transposing, I don't know if that's the right word, like these characters into these different narratives, these different genres, how important is it that their character change or their character stay the same? Because one of my, uh, one of my observations about this show in particular is how brave Scooby and Shaggy are. Like, they, they throw themselves into danger. We said that last episode, and it's... It's true here as well. I think this show would work better if Scooby and Shaggy were purely incompetent and lucking their way into solving problems and were purely running away and kind of fearfully trying to avoid danger and solving the danger in the process. But that's not what happens. There are those moments like this one where Scooby and Shaggy just luck into solving a problem or uh, kind of deflecting the villain's attempts to cause violence. But just as often, they're running towards danger, and Shaggy is scrying out the actual situation, doing real problem-solving. And there's no reason for that to happen. We don't know why Shaggy's brave, we don't know why he's competent, we don't know why he's so invested, I guess, except to save Uncle Albert, but it doesn't really cr explain where his cowardice went. Do you know what I mean? It's, I mean, yeah, it's like, in lieu, in lieu of having Fred and Velma and Daphne on this show they've like embodied qualities from those other characters like yeah th because they need you they can't just be i guess uh, well in the creator's minds they couldn't just be cowardly though i think as you have laid out there's a possibility of this show still existing with them being yeah like cowardly incompetent craven pure cowards i don't think they need to absorb these other guys qualities we're past that point but granted i'd say fred daphne and velma are there for a reason fred needs to give the group somebody needs to give the group direction somebody needs to make uh smart comments and so we see shaggy has fred's leadership he has velma's competency uh scooby has velma uh daphne's sex appeal so they do absorb some of these qualities that we'd seen in the other characters for a while you're shaking your head up and what's what's uh, up no sorry my neck did my audio cut so out sore. for a minute there um I mean, the next scene, because again, we're still sort of viewing Shaggy and uh, Scooby through this like James Bond lens, and I think this is like, you know, how, like mm. Bond will go up and just like introduce himself like by his name because he's like a he's a badass. That's the whole thing. Yeah, and and because we as an audience know he's the only person that matters, so he acts like it in the in the movie, and we accept that. Um, Bond, James Bond, the person doesn't respond. Who gives a heck? <laughs> They're like, oh, yes, here, let me take that care of that for you. Shake and restart, sir. Um, for, for Shaggy and Scooby, yeah. uh, they're undercover. They they go up to this conference. This sh I guess it's a chalet because they're in Switzerland. Um, and they, mm. uh, you know, they sit down. They, they order some rotisserie chicken. They get some of that really, you know, famous chalet sauce. You don't get any of this. Like, this is, like, going w way past you. Not a bit, man. Uh, I, th I, I don't know if it's, if it's national. Or, or like local or if it's like an Ontario thing but there is a um, there's a restaurant chain here in Canada or at least in Toronto called Swiss Chalet uh, and it's a rotisserie chicken place um, and they have like this special okay. sauce that is honestly like pretty overhyped like it's not that good uh, but it's so weird to me just to think about the fact that it's like Swiss Chalet but what aspects of Switzerland are they really playing up here Fondue is the only one. 
as if like the Swiss are all about that fondue. You know, maybe they are. I've never, to be honest, I've never had fondue, and I've only gone skiing once, and I didn't care for it. I've the only time I've ever had fondue was in Switzerland. And just as one last quick aside, I know I'm taking us off track. Um, I feel like there's a tradition in Canada of just like naming chains uh, after like geographical areas that have no connection to them whatsoever. I have two other examples. <laughs> okay, that sounds um, pretty compelling. Rule of threes, you're about to round us out. I think one is American. New York fries? You guys have New York fries? No, we have French fries. <laughs> All over the United States, all we have are French fries. It's a chain. It's a chain called New York Fries, and you could just go there and get, like, different kinds of fries. The nuttiest thing is that New York is not known for its fries, I don't believe, at all. Oh, here's my favorite, and here's, like, uh, our mutual friend Ben, like, really, like, dragged Canada for this. We have a chain, and it's sort of like a sports bar-type chain, and it's called Boston Pizza. Boston does is kind of known for its pizza, I think. I mean, every place is known for its pizza. Is it actually? I don't think every place is known for like its pizza. Like, Nowhereville, Kentucky is like, we, oh, we're known for our pizza over here. I, okay, but is there, is, there like a, is there like a Cleveland pizza? Is there like a Toledo pizza? Okay, Cleveland, I don't doubt it. Toledo, I don't know. I'm not a huge pizza. Like, I, kn- I know a little bit about pizza, but I don't know that much. Like, Chicago pizza is obviously a thing. Well, like, Ben is someone who And there's had, definitely like, a spent... New York style of pizza. There's definitely a New York... Like, if it had been, like, New York pizza. But, like, Ben had spent summers in Boston, and he was all like, this is illogical to me i have not spent summers in boston so i don't know but um i mean they already had new york fries i think they wanted to keep that separate so boston pizza it could just be that they're throwing a dart at a map of the united states of america and they're uh, like oh want to try our tampa tempe it's uh, it's super good just like they make it in tampa that sounds wonderful i had um scrambled tofu for breakfast and it honestly it i feel like it passed as eggs like pretty easily I will bring us back on topic. Um, okay. James Bond, right? They're at a Swiss chalet. They go in. They tell the person they're speaking to that they're undercover. And then proceed to tell them everything else. Yeah. And that they're, they're looking for a hidden... Yeah, Dr. Fives who's in, uh, in disguise. And this person, who could very well be Dr. Fives in disguise, uh, ignores all of it. Says, that's not, that's not at all a worry. And it's the person that Fives has a grudge against. What's his name again? Uh, Joseph Gustav. Joseph Gustav, who has an extremely obvious hairpiece. Um, I think, and Fives also has a hairpiece we've seen in the last episode. I think there was another person in the last episode who had a hairpiece. This show's really going after balding men. How do, how do you feel about that? I've, obviously, this doesn't apply to me at all, because my hairline is holding firm like a line of 300 Spartans. It will not yield. And like the Spartans, it will win this battle of Thermopylae. <laughs> I, I won't lose. Of course not. I'm balding, um, and you know that. Scooby and Shaggy, uh, the security guards come after them because they're haranguing this man. Uh, and then, and again, they don't run away from the security guards. They run towards everybody in this conference room trying to figure out which one is, uh, is Dr. Fives. In a pretty mean way, like they they just walk up to a guy who's got a big nose and they yank on it. It's like, oh, that can't be a real nose. <laughs> Scooby and Shaggy are just like honing in with laser precision on all of the deep-seated insecurities that these people have. There's no way someone could be that cross-eyed. Like, like can you imagine them going up to you and being like, 
there's got to be something behind this Adam's apple. I knew it. I knew you were saying that. I thought you would at least go after my balding nature. At least hit me in the same place twice. But no, you got to pummel every little spot. That said, they would absolutely grab my Adam's apple and yank it because it looks fake. The, the meanest thing, I think, is that Shaggy walks up to a slightly heavy woman and says, like, oh, just like Daphne would say, there's no way a real woman would wear that dress with those shoes. And she just slams her purse on his head. So yeah, I guess it's, it's good that he didn't actually try and grab anything off of her. They knew not to go that far. It, it is comforting. Um, I... If Dr. Fibes has realized uh, that the beacon was destroyed by Scoob and Shag, um... At which point, we kind of have this fun, I, I don't know if this continues, but this I like, in that much like, I guess this is the second Star Wars reference, much like um, Vader hiring the bounty hunters to find the Millennium Falcon. And this isn't a reference happening within the episode, but I like your reference He, here. he puts out a call for agents, right? Um, and he doesn't get like a bevy of like bounty hunters, he just gets one agent. Um, her name is Misty... Uh, hold on. Swiss. Mist- Misty Swiss. Yeah, I'm really excited for all of the other agents who uh, who come around. There's like there's like Madeline France. There's a uh, mm. uh, Isabel Italy. <laughs> my <laughs> yeah, my favorite part of the last episode was the agents that went head to head with Scoob and Shag. Agents two and three, I think, aka agents striking Cobra and agents agent. Striking Cobra, I think one of them was. Yeah, Agent 2 wanted to be called. They were the funniest part of the episode by far. They were hilarious. Like, their slapstick was so on point. It was great. They don't appear in this episode at all, although some of his other stock henchmen do appear for some great bits later on. Misty Swiss, to me, looked like a cross between Elsa from Frozen, we all know, and Helga Sinclair from Atlantis, The Lost Empire. Amazing and accurate references. And Helga Sinclair from Atlantis The Lost Empire, who is a very attractive femme fatale, blonde, tough-as-nails chick. Okay, Helga, does she at one point not wear a beater? Uh, For most of the the movie. And the first time we see her, she's wearing, like, a a dress with loose straps on top that she shrugs off along with a mink coat, uh, immediately activating my puberty. Her, Her arms, okay... Too much information for our listeners, probably. But you know how I feel about arms. <laughs> yeah, dude, and she's got some stems. Uh, okay, so we... we Most people most people say, you know, I bet those legs go all the way up. Evan says that about arms. <laughs> oh, I, I bet, bet those, those arms go all the way down. I bet, all she, the way to I the bet her knuckles are dragging, bro. <laughs> those pits are not the pits. Okay, enough. Um, she's, uh, but Misty is very. She's very Swiss, but she's very femme fatale. She's a little silly. Closer, closer to Elsa in physique. She's not like a brick house, like um. No. Uh, Helga Sinclair, Lieutenant Helga Sinclair. Yeah. This, th- this is me bringing us back once again. Hopefully for not very long to this whole James Bond thing, because you know that <clears throat> having James Bond has like a there's a new woman every movie, mm-hmm. and sometimes those women are villains. Often, often there's this line of like, are they an ally or an enemy? And here I thought there might be some sort of interaction between uh, Shaggy and, and Misty, that there might be some interest there, especially because Misty has a dog named Carla. And, and I will say, I shipped Shaggy and Misty pretty hard, like immediately. I don't know what that says about me. Yeah, same here. 
<laughs> I don't know either. Um, Misty doesn't have a huge role to play in this episode. In fact, the Scooby Wikia lists her as having no lines, despite the fact that she has lines in every scene that she appears in. <laughs> but but um, Luke, what color are her sclera? Oh, dang, I don't know! They're pure black, because everyone just has dots for eyes in this show. That's just the art design in this show. Um, yeah. the, the, most, uh, the most distinctive thing about Misty is that she has this she has this dog like you said Carla who is like a sheep dog is that right yeah a um a saint bernard i believe maybe is the technical term saint bernards have the barrel under their um under their neck those are like okay you can put dogs. a barrel on a saint bernard but it's still a saint bernard if it doesn't have the barrel no this isn't a saint bernard saint bernards are uh like beethoven yeah is this not oh no you're right cuz this is the kind that has like a super big thing of shag in front of this the is eyes. like the dog that like tim allen turned into yeah you're right okay you're right in um, but basically, the the most distinctive thing about Misty is that she tells Carla to attack stuff, and Carla attacks her. Yeah. And I think they wanted that to be really funny. It was not to me. But it was more troubling to me than anything. Well, Carla constantly attacks Misty, who has not been shown to be mean to Carla or to be dumb in any way. So when Carla says, attack the dummies, and uh, or Misty says that and Carla attacks her, you think, Carla's a bad dog. This is a bad dog. And granted, Misty's a bad person, but the dog doesn't know that. Like, like you know, like if Dick Dastardly, you know how he's, like, always... He hits Muttley on the head? <laughs> yeah, and Muttley, like, snickers. If Muttley attacked Dick Dastardly, you would be like, yes, this stands to reason. I, I agree with this. But you're right. Misty has not shown mm. herself to be uh, morally deficient in any way. And in fact, uh, for our part, potentially drawing from the fact that Misty is conventionally attractive, we thought Misty might come around to this i thought misty might be a good person ultimately oh interesting like and that's the direction it would take especially like james bond villains like oh through their attraction to james bond they're what <laughs> whatever i'm getting at there um misty and carla are on shaggy and scooby's scent they're going after them it's really it's really notable that i have almost no notes for the rest of this episode um same here. Um, we often kind of just breeze through the second half of the episode. The second half of this episode kind of breezed past us, I think. Yeah. There's very little of note happening. Scooby and Shaggy are thrown out of the chalet because, again, they were, like, haranguing the guests. Harassing everyone. Um, yeah. and, and so they're, like, standing there. They're trying to figure out what to do next. Um, they get on uh, the mystery machine, which has turned into a snowmobile. Carl, uh, Missy comes up behind them with a machete. A machete! Yeah, like... A a machete that it pops out like one of those extending lightsabers of a, a handle, and she starts taking swipes at these guys' heads. Uh, and, and through, you know, their own, like, bumbling... Un, not, in a general, not necessarily incompetence, but they're unaware. They, like, um, Scooby yodels and uh, a small avalanche, like, buries Misty. Um, and then they're off. Oh, yeah. Oh, hey, really quick, just to... I need to bring us back to this point. When they get to the ski thing, speaking of Scooby-Doo making weird noises, um, Shaggy brought these notes that are transcriptions of Albert's message to them. And remember when Albert's message broke up? Um, he's like, you must get to the ski chalet at... And the blazer will be hidden in the... Under the... When Shaggy's reading it, intermittently, Scooby will go... To signify the glitchy sounds albert was making and the first time i didn't understand what was happening at all yeah Did i would get like, that i i similar to you i didn't pick up on that until later on in the episode the first time it happened i was like oh the first time it's just like shaggy's reading and then scooby interrupts him with 
They've, what the heck? <laughs> the creators have given Scooby a secondary a secondary speech impediment. He's like a mutant. <laughs> he's like a mutant in the comic books, where he's like, "This is your secondary mutation." It's like, whoa, what a surprise! And also, like, what? Why, why does that sound like glitch sounds? Like, even Scooby goes, but, but. I mean, like, what I, what I, what I, sur- sounds like nothing. What I surmised was that it was the popcorn popping sounds. Oh, that must have been it. Like, it was the popcorn yeah. popping sounds that got in the way. I thought it was the glitch sounds. And it does make more sense as popcorn. It's, it's really weird either way, and it's not that funny. It's not funny at all, in my opinion. And and look, like for our listeners, uh, humor and comedy are extremely subjective. Luke and I can True. only comment on what we did not find uh, find amusing, but that, so it's, that's just our take. Yeah, but le- like here, let me let me give the flip side of that. There was something I found hilarious in this episode. It it genuinely made. Is this me- the part that like actually made you? Yeah, I would love to laugh hear. out loud. And it's the scene that immediately follows. Scooby and Shaggy are riding on the snowmobile. Um, they're about to be shot by Doctor Fives's laser. He's about to laser them down, um, <laughs> but the laser putters out midair as it's about to reach them. He's like, what happened? Where'd the laser go? Uh, it ran out of energy. Uh, Dr. Fives has a good line where he says, I could have caused more damage with a magnifying glass on a cloudy day. I'm like, oh, I, I kind of like that line. Um, but the laser ran out of energy because several of his agents used it to <laughs> carve their names into the sides of mountains. <laughs> and is- we see it like the pan across the, their graffiti. I only remember the third one, but the third one says, like, Doug is number one. <laughs> it's the first one, Agent 5 rules. The second one, Agent 6 hearts Betty. The third one, Doug number one. And he t- Dr. Fives turns around and is like, Agent 5, Agent 6, Doug, please raise your hands. And we see three agents raise their hands, Agent 5, Agent 6, and Agent 11, who apparently really wants to be known as Doug. That's not even, we don't even hang for a moment on that joke, but Agent 11 wants to be Doug. And they get the, dropped out of a trap door, but just that pan across, their, their, their graffiti that they each chose to do got a genuine laugh out of me. Here's a question. Do you like the fact that the henchmen are very incompetent as well? I like that. They're incompetent and uh, they're the ones who are really foiling Dr. Fives. And, and that they're, they're incompetent but they're kind of adorable. I, I was a little bit worried that yeah. Them and Scoob and Shag would would share would be sharing their niche with the with hmm. the henchmen, right? Because it's like there's so many people foiling Doctor Fives, but I think together it's almost even funnier because he's he's being foiled from within and from without, and from every direction. He he almost doesn't even get the chance. Doctor Fives is probably incompetent, but he doesn't even get a chance to show that side of himself because everyone else foils him so fast. I just love that the his henchmen are almost innocent. They're almost pure. They're so. Night, they're so incompetent and so well-meaning. I, I'm gonna try. I'm gonna cover a lot of the action, um, if if you don't mind. Please do because I am also out of notes. Okay, so um, <laughs> at which point Scoob and Shag are on their snow on the snowmobile. Um, they crash. They see this cloud, which uh, Doctor Fibes has used as a as a smoke screen or or a sort of like holographic projection to hide his zeppelin. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Shag, in in a very uncharacteristically like forward thinking and brave, uh, yeah, he he asks him for a safety flare and he shoots it at the cloud, um, and it's just like Shaggy shooting anything seems really like out of character. 
And making that kind of like Velma conclusion of, oh, hey, that cloud's been there for a long time. It hasn't been moving. Let me shoot a flare at the cloud to see what happens and figure out what that cloud is. I think it would have worked better. It could have worked just as easily to have Shaggy be like, oh, we're stranded. Let me shoot a flare into the air. And then it happens to hit the cloud. And from there, they realize something or the story progresses. But it's really... It's inconsistent is my problem. Yeah. Um, whether Shaggy is incompetent and lucky or whether he's a competent spy who's actually trying to who's having success. And the, the latter doesn't make sense. It doesn't really work. So they get on um, the, the ski portions of the mystery machine. They're skiing down or snowboarding, I think it is. Um, and mm-hmm. instead of trying to kill them with a machete, Misty decides to go the wily coyote route of dispatching her foes. Swaps out a sign and like glacier is this way, kind of directs them down the wrong path. And along with that, that in that scene, as that scene closes, the camera like stays on Misty as Carla, the dog, like disappears beneath the camera's view. And Misty says, "Come on, Carla, that's neither helpful nor attractive." And we don't see what happened, but presumably Carla's licking herself. Yeah, it's. It, it's just one of right. it's it's a throwaway joke which I hate to say this so many times but landed flat for me it's, it's a throwaway joke that should have been thrown away in my opinion it landed flat for me as well because I feel like they're just trying to be like it's silly when a dog does this to themselves right like we haven't seeded this out there in any way this there's nothing consistent about Carla's character the dog except that she's violent there's nothing um, consistent about Misty's character, except that she has poor luck and bad things keep happening to her. We want something to hang on to for these characters. So, um, what happens next is Scooby and Shaggy find themselves uh, out on thin air, which is, like, I think the third time this has happened in this episode. Uh, and No kidding. What I liked was they're going through all of the Scooby snacks that they could eat, and uh, Scooby eats a mystery one. And I guess Shaggy never eats them. I guess it's only Scooby that gets the powers. I think it only works on dogs or animals is what we established in the first episode for some reason. Uh, what um, I liked was and yeah, they had they had sort of, um, what is it? Check. I'm not like a trope. Chekhov's gun, something something. Yeah, that's it. Uh, they, they had sort of hinted that it was um, that it was the Scooby snack that fills you up with hot air and makes you float, that would save the day. They implied that early on, but Scooby ate that in the very first opening scene in this episode so i presume that that was out of the mix but they you oh i i just assumed that there would be more than one which because uh, but that's not an unfair assumption i don't think so to think that that's what this mystery thing is makes a lot of sense yeah scooby eats eats the scooby snack and it projects a pink force field around them that he pops it's like bubble gum uh they uh crash into the zeppelin they break they start to break things um, pinball around. Dr. Fibes has actually begun melting the glacier and a, a torrent has started to make its way down towards Joseph Gustav and the conference. Yeah, so danger is it really is happening. Scooby and Shaggy try to shut off the laser. It takes them a bit, but they do manage to reverse and it th- even though they've carved up the mountain in the process. Here's the thing. They say that they're going to reverse the flow and what they do is they turn it into an anti-laser. Like a freezing ray. Correct, yeah. It's true, that's exactly what they do. And it does freeze the water. I'm, Look, sorry, I'm, go ahead. I'm just, like, I'm no scientist, but I'm just trying to figure out how a concentrated beam of light could be turned into... My, my problem is that Scooby and Shaggy couldn't even find the off button, and again, they're incompetent. That's something we know about these guys. But they somehow managed to reverse the polarity. I think that's how TV would TV speak would put it. 
right. of this laser beam. After they established they couldn't even figure out the off button, it's... I mean, again, I, what I want to see is them bumbling their way into that, rather than just, like, suddenly having this flash of competence. I, like, I think, I think it happened by accident. I think Scooby is, like, pressing buttons and that's what happens. But it's just, like, I don't know. They pull out an enormous plug from a wall socket that I thought was funny. Um, and the Zeppelin then crashes. Uh, and they've saved the day. Like, they've stopped the glacier. They've foiled Dr. Fibes. Dr. Fibes somehow it's not directly shown that he gets away. It's implied that he gets away. He must get away. We just don't see him getting caught. I mean, the last episode ended with Dr. Five's whole submarine getting swallowed by a whale. So I think every episode is probably going to end with him being foiled, maybe put in a bind, but he'll be back the next episode. W one thing uh, I want to hone in on, and I guess we're coming close-ish to the end of our time, and we're right at the tail end of the episode. Pretty much is that at this point, Misty has tried and failed two to three times. Uh, there's one that I'm forgetting, but it's so... I think it might just be twice. She's tried to to murder Scoob and Shag and has failed. Yeah. And what she does is, she they're policemen, and she goes up to them, and she, I guess, falls on her knees, and she's like, thank you, take me to jail where I can be in safety and learn a legal trade. And it's it's sort of this, it's this implication that Scooby and Shaggy have, have, and I've used a foil, the word foil so many times, but I've foiled her so many times and uh, frustrated her to the point where her sanity is at risk. And she now needs to be like, she wants nothing to do with her former, her former trade, her former occupation. And I do not think that was well established. Me neither. I, I get what they're going for. It makes sense. It's a what about Bob kind of turn. Um, where Scooby and Shaggy have not been aware of Misty this whole episode. They don't even know she exists, but they've, like you said, foiled her so thoroughly that she is completely defeated. Um, but we haven't really seen that, like, defeat register with her sufficiently for this to make sense, especially when she could just walk away from this whole thing. She got away clean. Yeah. No one's coming after her. That's what's bonkers to me, is I know, like, you and I both said that we shipped them as soon as she showed up, but they never interact. Like, Shaggy has no idea that Misty exists. It's the, the, yeah, she doesn't really work in this episode for me. I'm with you on that one. And it, I'm sad that she doesn't even get what she wants to get to go to jail in peace, because as she is being taken away by the cops, she, like, says to Carla, Ha! It's the pound for you, bad dog! And Carla bites her butt and hangs on. You know, okay, I hate, I hate to be to engage in like revisionism or like think back on like improving things actually no i don't hate that i love that that's what we um, do <laughs> we love that yeah <laughs> let's not kid ourselves here here are two things that i want to throw out there one of them i don't love but it's something i want to run past you mm -hmm. because i feel like it's very it's not misogynistic but it's a little like re reductive uh in terms of like gender uh and and like portrayals of female characters if they had spun this differently and and let's say that she keeps trying to murder Shaggy, but in sort of like a what is that um, Johnny English style like get smart sort of thing, um, his incompetence is such that it comes off as hyper competence. Do you know what I mean? And she falls for him. Yeah, like like maybe she's trying to stab him, and he's has like a scratch, an itch on his back, and he's just like like dodging all of her stabs yeah it, and so she's just like whoa he's like a master martial artist i think it it happens in, in get smart he we he we love uh maxwell smart in spite of his incompetence in johnny english johnny english is an incompetent agent who gets lucky in that specific movie i do think the best example is 
The Spy Who Knew Too Little, starring Bill Murray, where exactly that, there's a, a, a top-level Russian assassin who comes after him, but Bill Murray, through sheer incompetence, manages by luck alone to foil him every time, such that by the end of the movie, the Russian approaches him, he says, you are truly my equal, I respect you, you are my brother. He kisses him on both cheeks and gives him like this cherished gun that he's always owned. <laughs> and it's this thing, it's like, it feels good. <laughs> to see them come together at the end. That's way more pleasing than it would have been to see the Russian bested or just, like, go to jail at the end. You win respect for nothing. So, yeah. I, or for being a nice guy. I think there's something that's kind of reductive about that trope. So there's that. And another thing I want to throw out... Or, sorry, before I move on, how do you feel about that happening in this show? Oh, how, how do I feel about... How would I feel or how did I feel? How would you feel if things had played out in the manner that I suggested? I would have loved that. I think that's a brilliant insight that you had right there. That would have made this episode way more interesting. Even if Carla doesn't appear, or Misty Swiss doesn't appear in the next next episode, that would have made this episode feel way cooler. Overall, it just feels like they didn't really commit. They didn't give the script a second pass. I'm sorry I'm going really hard on this episode, but I want Scooby-Doo to be the best it can be, and this is not that. Here's the other thing that I thought about that I like even more than the last one. Hmm. Um, it is... What if Dr. Fibes realized that Scooby and Shaggy are so successful because they are a human-dog duo? So he puts out a call for agents that are also a human-dog duo. So Misty and Carla are not in fact best friends. Misty just found Carla and is like, yeah, no sweat, Dr. Fibes. I also have a dog. I will accomplish your task. I think it makes... That's brilliant. The way I would set it up even more specifically would be that Dr. Fives hires Misty Swiss, but he says, hey, I, you need a dog as a sidekick to take on these two. And then he gives her a dog that's like un, <laughs> poorly behaved and not, not helpful at all. And that's what foils Misty Swiss, an otherwise competent agent assassin. Um, any yeah. of that would have worked better. It's a one throwaway line and we're already wasting time on other stuff that we don't need to waste time on. And that would have been really funny. Yeah, it would have set it up. It would have made so much sense. I feel like in this series, they thought, we don't have to plot it out. We can just jump from joke to joke. And I don't think that's true. I think other Scooby-Doo series have proven that plotting it out is better. I, it's, it's kind of awful to me to think that you and I could have rewritten this show and made the whole premise of like Scooby and Shaggy are like spies really... I mean, I don't want to... I, I feel like I'm, I'm, I'm talking this up too much. Uh, but that's just... I think you're right. I think we've got some good input here that could have improved the show. I mean, we're talking about it because we think we've got good things to say. Otherwise, we wouldn't be doing this. And that's kind of getting back to your central question of how well do, do these guys and does this take on this format work? Um, I think we've talked a lot about the secret agent thing, how well Scooby and Shaggy fit with that. How would you change up what they're doing with Fred, Daphne, and Velma? in this series to make that fit a little I mean, bit like, better. I'll, Say they're still absent, but how would you frame it to make it work? To, fra make their, to frame their absence? Yeah. Say if we're going to keep it on Scooby and Shaggy and a secret agent thing, how, how do we exclude those other three in a way that works better? It's weird for me to think that I'm answering and suggesting all of these things with the utmost confidence. Like, I, I feel like in, in past episodes, I've been sort of, like, reticent to, like, share my... to share my views or... Sorry, this chair's very loud. It's going to show up on the recording. but Or share my takes. But I, I know how I would do it. Yeah, well, I mean, it's kind of like seeing like somebody do the, uh, like, jump over a high bar and saying, like, I could do that too because the high bar is resting on the ground. 
I think it's not cocky for you to say so that. So, for yeah. for Fred, Velma, and Daphne, I would say that um, Doc, uh, Uncle Albert is just like Scoob and Shag. I I would add a little bit more to it. I would say that he, there's actually like this spy organization. Hmm. Um, so he's just like Scoob and Shag. Like you you are now agents. You cannot tell anyone who you're supposed to be, and so Scooby and Shaggy almost immediately tell Fred, Velma, Daphne that they're secret agents. At which point, the rest of the gang is like, yeah, okay guys, sure, that sounds right to me. And that's why they're absent from like this series. That's that's genius. I, wanna, I, I have a, a small qualification on that, but I think it's brilliant to say it's their secret they have to hold, and that's why they aren't including these other guys in the trip and asking for help. I would say even better than them revealing it to Fred, Daphne, and Velma would be them coming up with crappy excuses throughout the episode. Like, Fred gives them a call, and they're like, oh, sorry, we're still at the malt shop. And Fred's like, oh, that's, that's totally cool. And the, the gang never believes or never picks up on the fact that they're secret agents, because why would they? And that also, like, to your point, would frame them as unlikely secret agents in a way that we never see them framed in the series. Because they are extremely unlikely. It deserves a mention at some point or some kind of acknowledgement. I really like that idea. So, what do you think? Is that a pretty solid conclusion for how well this um, format treats the Scooby-Doo gang and jumping-off point that we've got? Yeah, and, and also, I think I think that we've really delved into sort of how Scooby and Shaggy are as, as secret agents, um, mm. which... I think is important, I guess. I mean, like, if that is if that is truly the sort of narrative that these episodes are going to follow, it's worth, like, delving into. Um, I guess as a, as, a, as a mild recap from our first time covering this, outside of the rest of the gang, outside of Fred, Velma, and Daphne, what do you really want from this show to keep you invested in it, to keep you coming back? Well, there, there's certain parts of the show that you just can't take away. You can't remove the villain it's just a, it's a really central piece uncle albert as well that's that's a big thing uh, let me try and really think this through what what do i really want to see out of this show yeah th that'll keep you coming back that would keep you invested in it i want to see scooby doo and shaggy solving problems without understanding what they're doing and that's my central problem with this the way we're seeing it done is that they understand what they're doing in a way that makes it not as interesting um as if they were bumbling their way into success. And I, I want to see their friendship contextualized within this spy game, these spy games they're playing. Um, we don't see a whole lot of that. There's not a lot of Scooby Shaggy interaction. Yeah, that's a, I, I agree with you 100%. Um, and I guess one last question just to cap off this episode. Um, is there a place for mm -hmm. the Scooby Dupe in Shaggy and Scooby Doo Get a Clue? I, I want to answer that question, but I'm not sure I understand what you're asking. What is a Scooby-Doop, if I am I'm reiterating that correctly? Scooby-Doop. Well, that, it sounds like uh, a gag that Scooby and Shaggy will play in which they create a social scenario in which the monster or villain must buy in, thereby playing a character that's unlike their monster character that they're playing, undercutting that for humorous purposes and allowing Shaggy and Scooby-Doo to get away. Uh, you know what? No, that's, that's not right at all. Oh, shoot, I'm sorry. I, I, like I said, I don't know what the Scooby-Doop is. That was a shot in the dark. Uh, but but if that was what the Scooby-Doop okay. were... If it were, uh, is there a place for that in this episode? Um, definitely 
Well, actually, so long as Scooby-Doo and Shaggy aren't aware of the henchman that's chasing them on the ground level, there is no way for them to intentionally prank that henchman. And since they never interact with Fives himself, in the last episode they did, but I don't think that's going to be a consistent thing, um, there's no real opportunity for them to do it to him either. So maybe there isn't a place for the Scooby-Doop, and that's a fundamental problem with this show. I, I just, you, whenever you put Scooby and Shaggy and the rest of the gang in different locales, different scenarios, it just really opens up the different possibilities for these different Scooby-Doops, and it's disappointing not to see those uh, come, come to pass or come about. Yeah, we could have had a climate scientist Scooby-Doop or a skiing Scooby-Doop here. Maybe even a fondue Scooby-Doop. A fondue doop it wasn't good, okay. <laughs> I'll acknowledge that. Um, I, I think just the way they have the villain set up is not conducive to a Scooby-Doop in this episode, and that's because we don't have any masked, um, mysterious, or monstrous villains. Very disappointingly, I'll say. Uh, and with that, um, the outro? Is that... Are we, are we good here? Stick around for the outro. Thank you guys for joining us for that episode. That was a lot of fun to talk about. Um, we'll be back with the next uh, episode in Shaggy and Scooby-Doo Get a Clue in 20 years. Before we get too far into the outro, let's ease in with a joke. Evan, do you, would you be able to share a joke with us just to get the ball rolling? Yeah, I actually wrote one on Friday. Um, and thinking about this joke, I will say it reminds me a lot of the jokes that you have told in the past, these intricate narratives. Oh, is it, it's very funny. Uh, that must be what it, you mean. But, but just by comparing the two, I now realize how much better mine is than yours. <laughs> Darn! <laughs> I no longer want to include this in the intro, or, man. Or the outro, right. as it or, were. No, okay, no, go ahead. I, I don't know what this is. I haven't heard it yet. Um, so I hope you're ready. I hope all of our listeners are ready. Again, I wrote this. Um, so... If you, hmm. if our listeners recount this to any of their friends, tell them you're now obligated to recommend this podcast to them. Yeah, cite your sources, people. APA formatting. All right. So, um, a man in a small English town heads down to London for a shopping trip. Recently, this is already better than my jokes, dude. <laughs> recently, the government has begun installing toll roads, but he's happy to discover that it only costs two pounds. While in the city, he, an aspiring hmm. photographer, decides to splurge on a Canon DSLR. He makes his return in high spirits, only to find the man in the toll booth asking for seven pounds this time. He sputters that this is over three times what he initially paid. The other man explains, the camera adds five pounds. <laughs> That that is good. Okay, <laughs> that's that's undeniably that's unlike my jokes that I wrote in high school. It it is actually funny. Like that could make its way into that's a Reader's Digest level joke, which I I don't mean to deride it. I mean to say that's polished. No, I used to love Reader's Digest jokes. I used to think they were like the height of comedy. Laughter is the best medicine. Humor in uniform. Oh my gosh, yeah. I love those. It's crazy that they had a humor in uniform section, like a joke section dedicated solely to military jokes. That is wild, isn't it? Yeah, that's kind of crazy, right? Uh, I really, I almost feel like you've been reading R slash jokes lately because there are some very well-crafted jokes on there. And I see like, that's a very well-crafted joke you have as well. Like it would be funny to read. I, you know what? It actually, 
is even better when you read it because it's just the pound sign. So, like, you understand what it means in your head, but you don't, like... Uh, I think someone who is really sharp would be able to, like, solve solve it before the punchline. It sets up neatly. Anyway, uh, this is the outro. That's, that is... Thank you for opening up the outro with that. I really like that. That was pleasant. Thank you. Now, let's springboard from there to telling our beloved listeners where else they can find us, how else they can follow up, how they can stay involved with the Scooby Dudes program and mission. Yeah, uh, let's try to get through this very quickly, um, just because I have some other things to share. Uh... Facebook. Everybody uses Facebook. Mm. Everybody. Even the people who don't like Facebook use it for, like, networking purposes. Uh, and if you have an account, go to facebook.com slash Dudes and like us. Like us, get updates on us, interact with us via Facebook. And you know what? If you're feeling social beyond Facebook, get on the Twitter and tweet at us. The Scooby Dudes. At The Scooby Dudes. You can reach us on Twitter. Just do it. Uh, if you want to get more content for the podcast for free, for gratis scoobydudes.com what you will be able to find are a number of screenshots that Luke and I have um, lovingly captioned lovingly rendered excuse me captured captioned captioned yes we've captured we've captioned we've pinned them up with needles Uh, I do really love our captions even more than that I gotta say I love Evan's corrections and his show notes which give you a greater insight into the episode and into our episode so the best place to follow up scoobydudes.com uh, if you want to, um, if you want to get in contact with us, otherwise, good old-fashioned electronic mail, Scooby Dudes Podcast at Gmail dot com. Send us anything; we will respond uh, in three weeks or less. In um, due course, we have a backlog uh, that I will try to hop on today. Sorry, we gotta keep you gotta keep you thirsty for more. That's why we keep our episodes so short. That's why we respond so seldom, <laughs> but we do respond to every message we get. Um, otherwise, uh, Patreon is probably the best place you can get real, uh, some, aside from ScoobyDudes.com, additional content on the episode. Uh, Patreon.com slash ScoobyDudes. You can donate. Help us keep the lights on. Help your small-time artists achieve their big-time dreams. I will say that it, it saddens me to, um, to mention this. We will be losing a patron, uh, for the reason that they are joining the Air Force, uh, and don't want the credit card charge to continue on while they're away um one of my very best friends theo uh Uh, theo has also been one of my very best friends for the duration of his donations this is now changing i i take it uh because he's chickening out he's going the coward's way i understand uh i will say this will be the last (laughs) week i guess that we say his name um, but I say it with a lot of affection and respect and, uh, I guess, uh, sorrow. Cause I'm really going to miss him. Uh, it's going to be a little while till I see him again. So, so I'm wishing him all the best. I, I think we're, I, I'm going to have to cut this because we're incentivizing people to leave because they're now <laughs> getting like tear filled farewells. No, 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 no. Hold on. Hold on. Let me just say this. No one else will receive such uh such yeah, a like, heartfelt goodbye if anything theo is one of this the, is yeah this is the antithesis of how we will normally behave when someone stops donating theo is uh your second best friend evan so it makes sense he would get a a, a really big shout out as he's leaving our donation pool um no one else can get this we have other dear friends that donate to us but mark my freaking words we will Scorn your name and salt the earth where it lay if you dare stop donating to us. Um, 
Heck, if you reduce your donation but continue to donate to us, we'll give you a negative shout-out. Between, between being threatened, uh, donors <laughs> also will receive bonus content on Patreon. Depending on how much you donate, you will get the episode early. This is actually the perfect segue to say that all of the funds that we receive, literally 100% of the funds that we've been getting, go directly to our artists. Yeah, Evan and I completely cover all the overhead ourselves. We don't take a penny for our own parts for all of our work on this podcast. Every penny we get goes to our artists who create incredible title card art for every single recap episode that we do on Scooby-Doo. So starting with this episode and going on for the next three, so four episodes in total, we have a new artist. Um, her name is, uh, she's going by the pseudonym Ghost. Mm. Um, and her... Her work is lovely. I found her on Tumblr. Uh, she was really, really happy to collaborate with us. I'm really excited for how this is going to work out. Um, and I would recommend that all of our listeners check her out on Tumblr. It's weird-ghosts, with an S, .tumblr.com. So go check out her stuff, and go to her website, and check out that title card. Absolutely, yeah. I'd say first go on our website, check out the title card, donate to us on Patreon, then go check this artist out. Keep get Let's get the order straight here. But she does amazing work, and it's super generous that she was able to work with us. Um, so please, go give her some love. Appreciate her art on our website. And donate to us on Patreon so we can keep this talent going. Uh, and I guess we should say, <laughs> in addition to being threatened, in addition to supporting our artists, in addition to the bonus content, we also say the names of all of our donors, all of our patrons, every single week. Uh, and we're going to do that right now for you. Right now, here is Theo's last shout-out for at least a little while on the podcast. Theo. Love you, Theo. I love you too, man. Thank you, dude. To Theo, Thank not you. you. Oh, not Evan, you. it took so long. It's been years. Uh, <laughs> to the- I was talking to oh, Theo. Oh, Theo, you should do this more often, man. <laughs> oh, thank God. You would not imagine how uh, my heart leapt into my throat at the thought that you might think... <laughs> was it your heart or was it bile? <laughs> that I feel any affection towards you. First time listen, long time listeners know that I've been waiting and begging and, and, and luring Evan to, to tell me he loves me as I love him. And now I'm satisfied. Oh, I'm going to incorporate that into the next theme song. Um, that's all the places you can... Uh, I, yeah, I guess this ahead. is one last thing. normally you're the one who says this um but if you could Mm. leave us a review on itunes if you could do that we'd appreciate it a five-star review it would mean the world to us four stars or less and we hate your effing guts don't do it uh but please do give us a five-star review on itunes it tells people that you enjoy our podcast you must enjoy it you've listened all the way to this point um even if you hate it now you enjoy it more than most people because you've listened to it a lot um, so go tell people you enjoy it on iTunes. We'll read out your review on air, word for word, bleeping only what we need to. I, I have made that vow. I will stick by it. If you if you use up every single character of the character limit for the reviews, I will have no choice but to read its it, it in it, read it in its entirety. Um, we might even have to devote an entire episode to it. But that's that's a promise that I've made. <laughs> I would love that. And not only will Evan have to read whatever you write, I will have to listen to whatever you write. Uh, again, depending on what you say, we might have to bleep some of it, but if you make Evan, if you write a review that says, Luke, I, I love you, I've always loved you, you mean the world to me, you are a friend like no other, um, Theo is as scum between my toes as compared to you, Luke, you are, uh, you are the world to me, Evan will have to read that and I'll get to hear that. Full disclosure, 
I am terrified that someone will leave this review. I Every day it doesn't get written, I'm amazed. Every time I log into iTunes, I'm just like, I can feel like the hairs raising on the back of my neck. I'm just like so frightened that it'll be, there'll be like five or six reviews all being like, oh, hey, this podcast is really great. Also, uh, I like... See, I almost said it. I was almost tricked into saying. Oh no! You almost now. gave almost gave me the sound bite, bro. <laughs> and especially because it's not like I'm above writing that review myself. I've donated to us on Patreon twice. Yeah, you gotta stop doing that. And I subsequently have two spots in our shout out. <laughs> oh man! But t- please do go write us a review on iTunes. You know, t- tell people about our podcast. We'd love that. And give us feedback on how we can improve the podcast. We don't say it a lot, but I care what you guys think. So please tell us. Hit us up on Gmail for your criticisms. Hit us up publicly for your praise. Uh, And that's it. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. I love my friend Theo, and I love every one of our listeners. Anyone else you love? Like, I, I don't think your whole family listens to the podcast, and you love them, right? Can you just say there's additional people who you love who have not been mentioned? Um, I love additional people who I will not cite by name will do the trick for me. If you could just make a heart symbol with both of your hands and then push it towards your chest and draw it away a couple of times as if to indicate a, a beating heart in the chest of a cartoon wolf. And then maybe like some finger guns to me. I'll settle for finger guns. One finger gun. Point at me. Please point at me. Okay, can you face me? Eye contact with me, dude. Make eye contact with me. No, hey, you're like an an ashamed dog right now. It's like you pooped on the rug. Gosh darn it. Evan, look at this. Look at this. You love me. Gosh. Your imitation of a dog is incredible. <laughs> Purely by not looking at me. <laughs> it's not, it's very different from a human avoiding eye contact. This is an animal avoiding eye contact. Thank, thank you, actually. Honestly, I think one of the funniest possible characters you could assign someone is a dog who knows he's done something wrong. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> you did it very well as well. Uh, I love it, don't you? Uh, I'm gonna press stop. We're done. Dang it! <laughs> <laughs>